I'm going to be really annoying and not answer this in a totally direct way, but <laughs> it's really important not to be a perfectionist about approaching your perfectionism. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and sort of thinking, I have to be perfectly kind of like mindful and, and this has to not matter to me and I have to be perfectly internally motivated. And that just, that's not realistic. Welcome to the 59th episode of the Struggling Scientist podcast. We are a podcast by scientists, for scientists, anyone size adjacent, and perhaps even hobbyist. My name is Susanna, and I'm here with my co-host, Chiron. Hi. The topic for today's episode is perfectionism. And while this is usually a positive trait in job interviews, it can also lead to some real problems during your scientific journey. And can cause procrastination, imposter syndrome, and overall lack of progress. We are going to talk with Kate All, a psychotherapist, who works specifically with academics, scientists, and other analytically-minded knowledge workers about perfectionism and its drawbacks. Welcome, Kate. We are so happy to have you on our podcast today. It's so lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes. Now, before we get started with our very interesting topic of today, we would love to know a little bit more about you. Um, could you introduce yourself a little, a little to our listeners? Who are you? Where are you from? What is your expertise? And do you have any interesting or weird hobbies? Sure. Um, so I'm Kate Al. I'm an integrative psychotherapist. Um, and I'm based in the UK, um, in Cambridge, but I grew up in the US. So I've been over here for about 25 years. And I come from an academic family and a university town. And so I kind of grew up in that whole environment. I worked for a while in academic publishing before becoming a therapist. And then um, after being a therapist for a while, I went to work at Cambridge University as an in-house therapist for their faculty and staff counseling service. Mm -hmm. um, and now I'm in private practice and I see a wide range of clients. Um, and I also run a compassionate productivity workshop for academics and other knowledge workers. Weird hobbies. I don't have any weird hobbies for you, I'm afraid. Mm -hmm. um, I have, you know, I like, I love reading fiction. Um it gives me a real sense of kind of how things can surprise us, how life can still surprise us all the time. And I really, really love that. Um, I get a lot of that from my work anyway, but it's nice to see it kind of taken out into the realm of imagination. And creative writing is something I enjoy as well. Oh, nice. Were you already doing those before you started your practice or was, was that uh, something you picked up afterwards? Yeah, no, it's something I've, I've always done. And actually, to some extent, um, you know, the journey I've been on with my writing has been one of really trying to debunk my own perfectionism. And I really got to a place with it where it feels like it can be just for me. Right. And that's, that feels great. So. Okay. Okay. So maybe let's dive in right into the, the topic of today's episode, uh, perfectionism. How would you define perfectionism and what are some sort of common signs or perfectionistic tendencies that you have seen or come across in academia? Yeah. So it's it's such an interesting one, the definition of perfectionism, because I think it is an attitude or a set of behaviors that we find our way to through different channels. Um, and I think a lot of the common discourse about perfectionism centers on this idea that it is primarily emotional um, and it is a, a feeling about the self, a, a very all or nothing feeling of I am my work. I am what I do. Um, and if what I do is not perfect, it is worthless. So this real, very stark polarity between you know, either it's perfect or it's just garbage. Um, 
And I think that's there for a lot of people. But I think what I don't see addressed kind of sufficiently is another way that we can be led into perfectionism, which is a much more cognitive perfectionism. Um, And on the extreme side of it, you would see that sort of in OCD, but it is a real kind of discomfort with the feeling of things not being right or not being done. A real discomfort with incompleteness, a real discomfort with sort of not rightness. Um, And I think that is there a lot in academia. And of course, you can have both of those things. You can have the feelings about the self and the self-esteem, and you can also have this feeling of I like, I literally cannot stop working on this until I get it right. And I don't know what to do. And I feel helpless about it, which I think probably a lot of academics can relate to. Do you think that to a certain extent, like, uh, so when I hear you talking about that, I think um, I sort of imagine it sort of like focusing on the perfect result, uh, trying to achieve the perfect result. But I can also imagine trying to have the perfect system, not necessarily tied to the result that you're sort of doing everything to to feel like you, I did everything I could to get that result, but you know. yeah, yeah, and that's the thing I think about. Um, you know, a perfectionist tendency is that it it's greedy, right? It kind mm-hmm. of it gets it gets its hands on sort of every part of your life. So it can be the results, it can be um, the system to get the results, it can be you know the morning routine before you start the system to get the result. You know, it can it gets everywhere, um, which is one of the reasons it can be really helpful just to be alive. T- to to how it works in you Mm. yeah yes um do you think there are also positive aspects to perfectionism or is it all just bad (laughs) and this is the thing right is like there are absolutely so many positive aspects of the the temperaments and the and the intellectual capacities of people who have a tendency towards perfectionism Right. And where would mm-hmm. we be without those people um, and without that um, that dedication to really leaving no stone unturned and getting to the bottom of things? And I think like as a society, as a culture, we really benefit from people's dogged determination. But on an individual level and I think on a kind of an institutional level, it can be really corrosive. Mm-hmm. So I guess I think it's important to make that distinction that. Um, as long as you're managing your perfectionism so that it allows you to flourish, um, then a lot of the characteristics, you know, that are co-opted by perfectionism can still go on, if you see what I mean. That was a long-winded way of saying that. We are very excited to be able to introduce you to our new sponsor, Jenny AI. Not only does Jenny make our podcast possible, it also makes our life as scientists so much easier. Jenny is an all-in-one writing assistant that has everything that we have been missing in other AI tools. Yes, first off, unlike other AI tools, it actually finds accurate information in papers and cites its sources. It does not make things up and only uses real verified information that you can then also check the source of. Second, it's a writing assistant trained for academic papers and helps you write your paper by suggesting the next sentence or the end of your sentence. Or, if you get really stuck, you can ask it to write an entire paragraph completely removing the writer's block I so often struggle with when I don't know the right words to make my point. It helped me write an introduction to a paper I've been struggling with in half an hour. It even suggests which papers to cite. You can add your own library or search the entire internet for papers. Just type the add symbol to easily add a reference and it gets automatically added to the reference list. 
And the last thing we absolutely love is that it has an AI chatbot that can see your document and give feedback on how to improve your manuscript. Or you can ask it questions, such as what are the potential therapeutic benefits of dot dot dot, and it will search through the papers for you for the answer. I can only say that my stress level has gone down significantly since I started using Jenny. Check out the free version now at thestrugglingscientist.com slash Jenny. And if you love it, use the code SCIENCE20 for a 20% discount. Yeah, I was actually wondering, do you, may, maybe without naming names or anything like that, can you share some examples or stories of how perfectionism has hindered some people with scientific progress in their career development, for example? Yeah. So I guess I, like I can't speak to scientific progress because I myself am not a scientist. So I would just, you know, bungle the details of that. But, um, you know, what I saw certainly um, in the university sort of faculty and staff service again and again um, was people who just got very, very stuck. So um, people really stuck finishing, you know, writing things up, um, finishing doing drafts of things. Um, perfectionism really causes problems in collaborations with other people, um, both because of self-directed perfectionism, but also because of perfectionism about the stuff other people is doing or is doing, are doing. Um, so it can cause real problems in working relationships. Uh, people can feel very micromanaged and as though their progress is blocked. Um, also further along in people's careers. So once you get past po postdoc stage and, you know, you're in that kind of happy place where you've got a permanent job and you're super excited, it actually can be very difficult to, um, to avoid burnout because you want to be perfect in all of the roles that they're giving you and they're giving you lots. And so you want to be the perfect, you know, mentor, supervisor, you know, you want to be perfect for your students, perfect for your colleagues. And it's just too much. So, so I see it happening in that way as well. Yeah, I can actually perfectly imagine that. <laughs> um, do you think it has gotten worse over time or has this always been a problem in, in specifically academia? So, uh, you know, I think pe the people who are drawn to um, academic work are, have a certain cognitive intensity that predisposes them to perfectionism. You don't get a lot of kind of sloppy people um, mm. going into, into research. Um, but I think, you know, what's gone on in the past, you know, 30 years, I would say, um, in terms of there's a lot less administrative support. So academics and researchers and grad students are having to do a lot more sort of non-research work, non-teaching work, just like extra kind of admin stuff. So the workload is um, higher. Um, the expectations are higher. There's also the career precarity that is sometimes not really acknowledged. So it's just harder and harder to get um, a contract that lasts sort of more than a year. And that can lead you to feel like you're failing in some way rather than the system is um, just really hard. Mm -hmm. But then also, I just think generally culturally in society, social media doesn't help. Like we know more about other people's lives than, you know, we were ever designed to. And if you already have a tendency to, you know, compare and want to kind of compete and be better it's just a nightmare yeah. um, because you're constantly flooded with and and people are only saying the good stuff so yeah so there's a lot that i think doesn't help mm. yeah you also mentioned earlier that uh, as long as you sort of men um uh what's the word again uh, uh control your your perfectionistic tendencies uh, uh -huh. then it can still be fine 
but how would someone like a PhD student or more senior researchers recognize when their sort of perfectionism is becoming a problem or going too far? Uh, how would yeah. they do that? And that's going to vary so much from the individual, but that is such a that's such an important question. And I think we need to kind of walk it back a little bit and think that the that the before you can even recognize that's going on, you need to be paying a certain amount of attention to your own personal experience. And that is an area where people who are perfectionists actually are underdeveloped. So people who are perfectionists are looking for um, the next set of criteria to meet and exceed. And the focus is on that. And there is an underdeveloped focus on yourself and your own experience. And this is one of the biggest problems with perfectionism is that sometimes people get to the end of all the achievements they wanted and they have no idea what they enjoy or, you know, what feels good to them. And so I would say that, you know, the, the first step in managing your perfectionism is to sort of find a mercenary streak in yourself, find, uh, ask yourself a question of like, what is in this for me? Why am I doing this? Does this feel good? Um, and if you're not able to find that, that might be a sense that you have kind of abandoned yourself in in the quest for meeting other people's standards. Mm. Um, so I think that's a helpful question to keep returning to is like, what's in this for me? Like, why am I doing this? Do I enjoy this? What do I enjoy about this? Um, rather than trying to be for others all the time. I think, you know, signs, I'll go back to answering your actual question, which was, how do you know if this is happening? Your friends are telling you, your family are telling you, your supervisor's telling you. That's like, you know, that's, you have to listen to that. And when people are deep in perfectionism, they very often say, no, no, no. Like, you don't understand. I have to be perfect. You got to listen when people are telling you it's a problem. Um, if it's affecting your physical health, if it's affecting your eating, your sleeping, you know, if if you're edging into sort of serious, you know, mental unwellness, that's a problem. Um, yeah, but, but but also when you're not able to find any sense of what you would like, that's that's a, that's when you know it's getting its hooks in. Mm. Yeah. I was also wondering, so is it often to do with that perfectionism is more externally motivated that you're trying to hit all these goals, these these the next thing in front of you, the the from PhD student to postdoc to professor versus the fact that like if you're a researcher, for example, that you just want to do great research, that's more inter I guess more internally motivated versus the 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 next title, for example. Uh, is that, yeah. Is it, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um and I also, and I think that's such a good point, and that's such a good thing to pick out is that sometimes people end up doing PhDs and doing postdocs because people keep suggesting it to them, mm -hmm. um, and they haven't had a point in their lives where anyone in the educational system or their family or their community has encouraged them to think about what they like, or what they want, or what interests them, and that's one of the reasons that that self interest is underdeveloped mm -hmm. is because you know we've been groomed to some extent by the educational system to just sort of keep jumping through the hoops. Yeah. Okay. Um, are there any strategies or techniques that you can recommend that individuals can use to overcome perfectionist tendencies and perhaps embrace progress instead? Uh, maybe some mindfulness practices or self-compassion exercises. What would you recommend? Yeah, yeah. So, and this is going to depend like so much on the individual person. 
Um, and I think I'm going to be really annoying and not answer this in a totally direct way, but <laughs> it's really important not to be a perfectionist about approaching your perfectionism. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and sort of thinking I have to be perfectly kind of like mindful and, and this has to not matter to me and I have to be perfectly internally motivated. And that just, that's not realistic. Um, mm. so I get, I guess I would say going back again to this sense of what's in it for me, um, is a really helpful one. Um, if you're really stuck for something, try to, and maybe that is going back actually, Jaron, like you were saying to um, finding your internal motivation. And it doesn't need to be a pure love of scientific progress. It can be like, I want to get this done. <laughs> so I cannot be doing this anymore. And that's like a totally valid um, aim. Um, I think another, another technique is just to remember that you don't have to be cognitively intensely focused on something all the time that background processing happens when you're doing something else and just keeping that in mind that sometimes stepping away from something um, means that you can come back to it with more in the tank and you're not just banging your head against a wall when you're running on empty. Um, Self-compassion is a really difficult one because I think um, perfectionists need to approach that obliquely. Um, it doesn't come easily for perfectionists because they think of themselves often as sort of objects or machines um, and that compassion is a threat. So you have to kind of come at it sneakily. Um, and I think sometimes just remembering people will often go to affirmations um, because they think if I program myself to believe that I am enough, um, I will feel it. And, and you're smarter than that, unfortunately. And, mm. and if, if the, if the affirmation is too far from what your belief is, then it's just not going to take, but a really helpful one might be, I am my body and the life within it. Cause you can't really argue with that, but recentering yourself into that can sometimes help. Go on. So you also mentioned earlier that your your friends, your your family will tell you that uh, you might ha have these perfectionistic tendencies. But how can individuals sort of bring that up or try to help and support you in that sense to to understand that you have these perfectionistic tendencies? So if I really care for someone and they have they're perfectionistic and they they that is getting their uh, making them struggle a little bit uh, with their academic career, how can I sort of bring it up in a way that's not judgmental or, you know, uh, as a conflict, uh, if you will. Yeah. Um, and again, that depends on your relationship with the person. But sometimes it's helpful just to bring it up super directly. Um, we can never control how something we say is received. So sometimes just saying it as straight as possible, as factually as possible is helpful. And sometimes, you know, if you're, if you're saying this to someone who is very analytically minded, um, give them a call to action, you know, give them an instruction or a question, you know, something that, that invites a response from them so that it doesn't feel like just a, an observation you're making about mm -hmm. them, but it's, but that there might be something that, that they can do in response. Okay. Now you also mentioned that this, the, the environment has changed a lot and that that had some effect. Um, 
How do you think the institutions and academic advisors can create an environment that promotes uh, healthy striving instead of perfectionism? This is, you know, now I'm going to get on my soapbox. I mean, this is this is a really tricky one because mm -hmm. perfectionism is a kind of an intergenerational problem within most universities and other kind of knowledge industries. Um, so you're going to have a lot of people sort of at the top of the hierarchy um, who have unexamined perfectionism and they just imagine that that's how life needs to be lived and that's how everyone needs to live it. Um, and this can create pockets of like real dysfunction in mm. universities. So on a university level, I think the absolute most important thing to do is really take bullying seriously, um, which may sound unrelated, but uh, it, it's kind of shocking how much bullying goes on mm. um, at universities. And it's shocking how um, toothless universities are sometimes in kind of really dealing with it. But I think that's like the single most important thing to do is, um, you know, give real consequences to, you know, to people, either administrators or researchers or whatever in university who are behaving really inappropriately, you know, and make sure that is enforced across the board. Mm. Yes. Do you think supervisors of a group or PIs or professors themselves could also do something to in their group? make it a healthy environment for their PhD students and their postdocs? I, I think, um, yeah, I mean, modeling the fact that that mistakes are part of learning, that mistakes are part of science. I mean, they're particularly part of science, right? I mean, mm. it's, it's, yeah. and, and modeling, I suppose, being able to have an emotional response to that that is not um, catastrophic. Mm being able to share, you know, oh, I'm disappointed in that, or I'm a bit embarrassed about that, but these things happen. Just being able to model that, I think is really helpful. Okay. So maybe to, to supply our listeners with some more resources, uh, are there any resources or books or tools that you can recommend for, for further exploration on perfectionism for them to identify this in themselves or others? Yeah. So, um, There's someone who's not a scientist. She's a, um, a philosophy professor in the States, and she has a podcast called The Academic Imperfectionist, which is brilliant. Mm -hmm. um, her name is Rebecca Roach, but you can find her, her podcast at just The Academic Imperfectionist. Um, and that's just such a helpful reminder of what all academics are going to be struggling with, anyone who's producing work that gets scrutinized by other people. Um, There's a wonderful book, and again, it's not by a scientist, but I think it's really, really helpful for anyone who's doing any kind of academic work that needs to be written up. And it's by Jolie Jensen, J-O-L-I-J-E-N-S-E-N, -E -E and it's called Write No Matter What. So um, that's write, W-R-I-T-E, no matter mm -hmm. what. And It's just such a pragmatic exploration of how when you have like literally no time, um, you can keep chipping away at um, projects that are that are meaningful. Um, and that and she explores all of the myths we tell ourselves about what we need in order to make progress. Like I need to have finished everything else. I need a clean desk. You know, I need um, a really big chunk of time. 
But she also describes, and I think is really helpful, how to work with our own sudden lack of interest in something, you know, when you suddenly just lose all ability to want to do your work um, and how to sort of rekindle it. So I think that's a great book. Um, Eric Mysell's book, Why Smart People Hurt, is also really, really helpful. Um, And it's not specifically about perfectionism, but it's about all of the stuff that often goes with it. Okay. Yes. yes, we'll definitely check some of them out. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that was already the last of our questions. Thank you so much for talking with us today about this very interesting topics, and we really loved having you in the podcast. Um, if people would like to find you or follow a workshop that you give, how they, can they best find you? So um, they can best find me on um, my website, which is kateallconsulting.com. Periodically, I have some therapy slots available, um, but mainly, you know, mainly I'm doing sort of workshops at the moment because I'm full up with my therapy. Um, But yeah, you can find me there. Okay, cool. Yes. (laughs) Uh, For our listeners, if you have any questions, suggestions, comments, you can reach us via our website, thestrugglingscientist.com. You can also check out our website for some really cool science-inspired merch and to sign up for our awesome Journal of the Struggling Scientist, a.k.a. our newsletter. Uh, And if you have joined this episode, then please leave us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts as it really helps us grow. Uh, And you can follow us on social media. Jaron, which ones are those again? Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and YouTube. Yes. Thank you so much for listening and we hope to see you all next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.